0: When you're feeling under pressure, do something different. Roll up your sleeves or eat an orange.
1: Welcome to the Urban Guru Cafe. What are you doing here? (laughs) Get out of here. I didn't know you were still here. What are you doing here? You were voted off the board. No, you were voted off the board. (laughs) Do you like it strong? Oh yeah, strong is good. If you want to feel calm,
0: eat more raw fruit and vegetables, yoghurt,
1: milk and
0: seeds. Welcome back, Arety. And who is it you've been talking to?
1: This week I spoke with Paul Hederman, and um, his program has a bit of a recovery slant. So I think lots of those people that attend the AA meeting and are interested in learning a little bit more about what we talk about here on the Urban Guru Cafe.
0: I wasn't going to answer.
1: <laughs>
0: I haven't even seen my hair
1: And how are your talks going? Have you been doing any talks?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been doing a lot of talks, I guess. Well, it's talks around here. I'm doing a talk outside my circle Saturday in Berkeley at this place called East Bay Open Circle. I think they have a lot of people speak there like once or twice a week they have different people. I'm scheduled to go Sunday night.
1: So you're gonna tell us a non-duality story?
0: Am I gonna tell you?
1: Yeah.
0: Well there isn't a non-duality story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that story, how there isn't a story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just did. I just gave you the punchline. That's the end of the story. That's the, That's the beginning and the middle and the end. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, for a story, you have to start out with once, and that isn't true. <laughs> once there was, that isn't true, so what the hell? There's no room for a story in there. It's cool to watch the mind attempt to facilitate a communication of that which can't be communicated, yeah? It's a nice event, but I'm there. So basically what I've been doing lately is talking to people about, you know, the mental process producing a product called a self, yeah, a self. And then, you know, out of the verb of that mental process, there's a sense of being a noun that arises. And I was just reading some Buddhism, somebody sent me a, a link, and it's easy to report if you're watching that the first movement of this verb of selfing is to claim, And so I was just reading this thing about, they were talking about Lord Buddha, whatever, you know, his take on self. He was talking about, I think they call them aggregates, yeah? Mm -hmm. Which are five different, I guess, uh, subtle impressions of mind. And the whole point of those five aggregates appear, and each time they appear, there's a sense of them being something, and then the mental process claims that something, and in that claiming that's where the selfing arises, yeah? yeah? Now, I don't know if that's a true dissection and it, d- it doesn't matter or not, but it always hit me strongly that the movement of selfing, as soon as it arises out of the verb into the illusory noun, is to claim everything, yeah? Mm-hmm. So everything, I call it the M-Y, you know? So a thought is my thought, a uh, body's my body, time is my time. And in that claiming, In this little take on Buddhism, that's the sense of being a self. The claiming is what's producing and reinforcing that sense of self because the aggregates are constantly arising. So the mind is constantly claiming. And in that activity of claiming, there's a sense of being the one who's having these, you know, Mm -hmm. one who is based on those aggregates or whatever. And it sounded familiar to me in the feeling of it because... When I look at it, that's how it feels. It's a verb, selfing, and then it there's a sense of being a noun. Obviously, identification as the body is the anchor of that. And then whatever is noted or seen to arise is claimed in a sense. And in that claiming, that's the activity of being a self, in a way. Ticking my brain, my brain is always ticking my brain, my brain is always ticking. Long as I am live and kicking my brain, cool little cluster that's my brain, my brain is steady working. My brain, my brain is steady working. My brain. My brain, it's always working, as long as you keep that coffee perking. My brain, cool little cluster, that's my brain. My brain, it's a cool little cluster, that's my brain. You know, also in Buddhism, they say the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. And now I'm not talking about the conditional mind. I'm talking the mind that may have been a little more demonstrative when we were young, when we were babies. That mind, that awareness, that openness, that ability to entertain. And so let's say that mind notes or recognizes or sees, you know, the mental process and the mental process of selfing. And then the mental process is putting out the idea that there's a noun called a self. And maybe, just maybe, that mind becomes identified as that product of that process. And then its ability to entertain, like in recovery it says, at a certain point, you'll know a new freedom and a new happiness. You'll comprehend the word serenity and no peace. Well, I think that are the attributes of a mind unadorned by selfing, yeah? Mm-hmm. As the ability to know its own nature. But here it is, now it's become identified with this, representation of conscious contact as a me being me, Paul, that's in contact. And let's say it became identified as that. And now all of its ability to entertain, like peace and happiness and freedom, is now entertaining that it's a self. And so now its ability to entertain is defined by every time it entertains, it's entertaining as a self. Mm-hmm. Yes? mm mm-hmm. So now I believe it's here entertaining separation and being unloved when you're the source of love, and also it entertains while it entertains this idea of being a self, it becomes drawn into a mental realm of that mental process where exquisite suffering seems to be able to be made in that mental realm and really coming out of what's not happening. yeah There are people today who are suffering exquisitely and really what they're suffering around is not happening, in a sense. It's happening as a mental presentation, but in, a, in our world of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, it's really not happening. So I was looking at that, and I said, well, is the advertising that good? to, to Make to us
1: persist with this?
0: Exactly, to sort of catch you like a beautiful uh, hook that catches the, the fish every time, or is it the ability to entertain that makes that advertising seem so real. Not the advertising. Mm -hmm. Because when the bondage to self is broken, you see the advertising as freaking advertising. You see it as false evidence appearing real, that acronym for fear. You see it very clearly. And yet, there's times that it doesn't seem to be seen at all very clearly. And there's an exquisite suffering in what that process is representing. Mm Yes? So I would say it's coming from the mind side. Not the mental process side, not the advertising company because it's a really lousy advertising company. <laughs> but being fooled by the advertising is unbelievable. You know, its ability to entertain it can actually make hell here yeah. Yeah? Mm. in the mind. So mm. that's what I've been doing.
1: It kind of reminded me of uh, Bob saying, and it's probably some from some Buddhist scripture. Why exchange the unborn? for
0: thought. Yeah, exactly. And how would that exchange occur? Well, the unborn is the unborn. So it's never born in thought, it's unborn, that's its nature. But the attention and the interest can get into the thoughts, and in a sense it now becomes something that was born.
1: It's like it concretizes that whole thing, doesn't it?
0: Well, it gives it like flesh and blood, because of the ability to entertain. So if you gave mind, I mean, just mind, let's say you were at like a jazz club and mind was playing the tenor sax that night, you know, unconditional mind, and you threw out a little like a theme. You said separation, yeah? So that that tenor sax of mind could riff like John Coltrane about what it would look like and feel like and thought about if there was real separation, yeah? Yes. Guess what? It of sounds like what's happening here. Like okay, in separation I could be vulnerable, I could be hurt, I could be this, I could not get what I want, I can lose what I have, I can be unloved. All these possibilities only become possible in that mental realm, yeah. So the unborn obviously isn't in that mental realm. But thought is part and parcel of the mental realm. Sun arise come with the dawning, spreading all the light all around. You're listening to the Urban Guru Cafe. The
1: sunrise, oh, Sunday rise, oh, spreading all the light all around.
0: Sunday rise, bringing the morning, Sunday rise. So we give up, let's say we default our citizenship of what in recovery they call the fourth dimension, let's say that unborn realm, and we become a citizen in the third dimension, which is a mental realm. You travel in the mental realm, how? There is no airport in the past. Yeah? You can't book a ticket at a you know at a travel agent. Yes, I want to visit the past today. Uh, is there a flight at mm-hmm. one o'clock? I want to have like a aisle seat, and a vegan, you know. They don't, there's no booking, there's no airport in the past. How do you go there? Or the future. Or the future, how do you go there? Or seemingly go there? Thought. There's no way. There's no way I can travel into what's not happening and have a mental experience of it except through thought. <laughs> it's insane. Let's say if you recognize the unborn as the ever present activity of consciousness here, then that gives you an immunity to thought. Yes. So when you see, when thought presents something in a different light and in different interpretation, it's not like you have to check out everything it presents and see if it's bogus or not. You just realize the presentation is bogus, no matter what it is. Yes. Because it's being delivered by thought. So an immunity grows.
1: And I like um, something that you said in one of the earlier programs because that's one of the things that sort of kept propping up for me as well. Something along the lines of why pay any mind to something that isn't even what you are.
0: Yeah, you lose interest.
1: Yep, and it sort of dies its own death in a way because all the habitual stuff comes up again but it's almost like a fan, you know, that's spinning, and then you switch it off, but it continues to spin for a while.
0: Yeah, well, the thing is, what created such a wind from that fan wasn't the fan, it was what was entertaining the fan. (laughs) Yeah. It's the mind. The mind can make hell. It can.
1: Well, it's the only hell, isn't it? Because what problem do you have unless you're thinking about it?
0: Exactly. So it's the mind, the mind that has been identified with the mental process, that its ability to entertain, it can now like, it's like Panavision, it's it's injecting Panavision into the mental processes representing of life, yes? Yeah. Because it's the audience that's actually making the movie in this sense. It's mind that's making the movie seem so real, not the movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The movie hasn't fooled us one bit.
1: And that whole thing with the mind is that the mind then starts to think it can control outcomes and control,
0: because it's
1: all about control, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that that's a sense of security. But how can something that doesn't exist ever feel secure? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) Or insecure.
0: Yeah, it can't. Well, the thing is, it can feel really insecure. Okay,
1: but I mean, like, you know, if it doesn't even exist, I'm saying, how can it even feel insecure? uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, either, yeah, exactly. But knowing, it has a sense that it doesn't exist as what it's presenting itself to be. So there is an insecurity around that,
1: usually. If the smile on my face doesn't mean much anymore, And it's all been just a waste of time. So, won't you close your door? But when
0: I look into your eyes, I feel there's still
1: something there. I'm only dreaming. way you talked about that exquisite suffering and exquisite hell because you can't tell somebody who's in the depths or throes of suffering that that is exquisite but in retrospect and also coming from no thingness suffering is exquisite isn't
0: it oh it's incredible it's a demonstration of i believe the mind's nature of it being able to entertain if it comes upon anything or no thing it can entertain it unfortunately If it becomes that identified mind as a self, then gets enslaved to entertaining as a self, which is a very small system of thought, you know, and interpretation. So it's like putting a marathon runner in a cellar with like a four by four foot track. Yeah? This Mm -hmm. mind's incredible ability to entertain. All it's entertaining is the same old, same old every day. I'm worried about this. I'm afraid of that. I'm gonna. They're going to leave me, and this and that. It's, it's probably, if it had that quality of being bored, it must be fucking bored stiff. I mean, <laughs> because it's got an ability to entertain infinity, you know, yeah. and space. and
1: Infinite possibilities of emotion.
0: Yeah, see, for me, personally, or impersonally, you know, if you want to say it, see, in a sense, with this message, the mind that was driving me crazy, identified as self yeah
1: yep
0: has met its match because what it's entertaining now has no parameters yeah there's no fences yeah there's no where it began or ends yeah it's just an infinite space of entertaining it's mind-boggling and so I've always been enthused once I got a taste of this I've I've been constantly enthused for the last how many, how many years because of it's an it's an An unending entertaining. Like the mind's ability to entertain has met its match and its only match is its own nature. Which is infinite and all that and it's met its match. When it's enslaved to entertaining this place is real and you know, and everything's so meaningful and my life's gonna shatter if this doesn't happen Mm -hmm. or I'm going to arrive when I amass all this and then everything will translate into being happy, joyous, and free for the rest of my life, then it, yeah. hour. All of that, to have it freed up and just entertain space is incredible. Uh,
1: To perspective is so excruciating.
0: Yeah, it's like putting a big foot in a small shoe. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yes. It just doesn't fit. <laughs> it really just doesn't fit. You try to get used to it, you know? But if you ever looked like in a recovery, we would journal sometimes about you know, like doing inventory of your day. Not so much well, on some respects what you did, but a lot of times. Like how you were traveling, yeah? So I remember I did two journals full. I must have done them for two or three years in a row. And every night it started the same way. I'm afraid of, I was afraid of, and then just fill in the blank. I'm afraid of. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like a. the theme was constant anxiety from what's not happening, about what's not happening. Yeah? It's yeah. incredible. So th- there's the mind. You've given it the same thing and it has to entertain it. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? I it know. just comes up with new levels of exquisite suffering. Yeah. All right. All right. Losing a girlfriend. How many times has that happened? Many yeah. times. Good All God. right. Let's see what you can do this time. All right. This time, but she, all right, let's Let's, let's entertain it as if she was the fairy princess. Okay, let's go to town <laughs> produce exquisite suffering. You go not that it's it 's matched by a quality of what it 's entertaining there 's no quality to that it 's very crude and very formulated and very small and structured, but its ability to entertain is unbelievable that it can make something that seems so un- that's so unreal seem real yeah. yeah. With Advaita, if the mind and self hears it and takes advantage of it, it becomes like a process, a practice.
1: And it also becomes the pinnacle of achievement, and it can be so conceited.
0: Oh, that I've seen. But I've seen that on your website, that Urban Guru, some of the commentaries. They're fighting over, like, vowels or concepts. Yeah, it's insanity. But that was always the case. Every time when something is found, like, I was, I remember when I was with the Course in Miracles, this little cult in the Course in Miracles.
1: <laughs> cult. <laughs>
0: they were a cult. And one of their big things was they would talk about all the people that were there that had been with all these other people. Yeah. yeah. They had left Da, and they left this, and they left that. So they were seeing themselves as the pinnacle. Yes,
1: cult. it's always like that in all fields, even in Reiki circles and shit like that. Everywhere yeah. it happens, doesn't it? People try and form a hierarchy system based on a belief system.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a trippy thing. I don't see. I, I try to stay out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, to get involved in that stuff.
1: But in the course of miracles, you were going to say something about them.
0: Oh no! In the course of miracles, I mean, they had that same thing of the us and them, or that they felt like they were the, the end, that they were the last house on the road. You know? Yeah. That everyone, after they got through with everything else, they came there.
1: Yeah. But everyone
0: is that, like you just said, in Advaita, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it's it can be the most arrogant because it's like, you know, it's considered to be the highest achievement and, you know, it's beyond the concrete and the mundane, you know. Achievement, yeah.
0: Again, it has nothing to do with anybody.
1: No, yeah.
0: As soon as it becomes an achievement, who had the achievement? What is an achievement unless there's someone noting it? It's sometimes ignorance is bliss in a way. I try to stay ignorant of all the things that are going on. And I never presented myself as non-duality at all, I don't believe. I don't know, maybe I did. I just entertained what I heard in Advaita, and it came through, it just tickled something that was always so, and that thing that's always so is just trying to find a way of framing it through my own the action figure-hood, you know, coming mm-hmm. out of recovery. That's all. Yeah. It's fun in a way because what a lot of people who get in touch with me are in recovery and they're very happy that they've heard recovery framed in this way, yeah? Mm. They've never heard it before like
1: but that. But it isn't really recovery framed in any way, is it?
0: No. You know, but they know, see, they, they know that language that I'm using, sure. yeah? And so there's a familiarity with that language. And so the understanding is, let's say, uh, becomes more obvious, yeah? Instead of just one light lighting up, a number of lights light up, because they have a working understanding of where I'm coming from. Sure. It's really cool. I get it. You know, that I'm into. Yeah. Try to see it my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go? While you see it your way, But the risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone. We
1: can work it out. We can work it out. Think of what you're saying. You can get it wrong and still you think that it's all right. Think of what I'm saying. We can work it out and get it straight or say goodnight. We can work it out. We can work it out. It out. We we can can work it out.
0: You'll be listening to the Urban Guru Cafe, and our guest, Paul Hederman.